Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We got a weather update south of the cities, and it's bearing down here in the Twin Cities pretty quickly. Uh, there is a new severe thunderstorm warning. It's in effect until 445 southeastern Lesseur County. Severe thunderstorm located over Montgomery or 15 miles northwest to Faribault, moving northeast at 35 miles an hour, 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts, quarter-size hail. This could cause damage to vehicles, uh, wind damage to roofs, siding, and trees. Uh, once again, this storm will remain over mainly rural areas of southeastern Lesseur County. Uh, but once again, a severe thunderstorm warning for southeastern Lesseur County. And this is uh, just uh, south of the Twin Cities area and west of I-35. So be aware of that. And once again, looking at the radar now, uh, we saw these these storms form about an hour ago. We brought it up here on the radio, and they continue to intensify. There was a tornado warning in effect until 4 o'clock for those areas just east and southeast of Mankato. Right now, we're just seeing severe thunderstorm warnings, but we're seeing more numerous storms south of the cities continuing to track northeast. So they they will be moving into the Twin Cities metro area yet this afternoon, so be aware of that. And we were promised some redevelopment, and uh, here it is. Once again, severe thunderstorm warnings, one for 415, one until 445, but this is still for Lesseur County south of the Metro area and just west of I-35 in the area of Faribault. All right, let's go outdoors. Steve Carney joins us. Steve Carney Outdoors. And, uh, Steve, uh, get us up to date on how things are going on the water. Hey, good afternoon, Steve. Yeah, it was um, an interesting week. And, you know, up in Lakes Country here, we got a lot of rain and thunder and all kinds of stuff last night and really good rainfall. We really need it. We need to get these lakes filled up. And it was uh, really nice to see. It sounds like more rain the next couple of days, but I'll tell you, we need it, and I'm, I, I welcome it. But fishing, eh, a little bit off this week, and, you know, I really don't know why. It's just uh, kind of tapered off, and um, it's just kind of one of those weeks that you really scratch your head and wonder why it's not better than it is. But, you know, it was okay. It held up, but it, it just, um, it's not really where it should be. But, you know, what do you do? Yeah, and uh, Steve, you mentioned a week ago that that the weed growth is really taking off. 
Uh, let's talk about that. Is, is the, the weeds really explode? Uh, what's the approach? How do you find fish? You know, that is a, a good point, Steve. The weed growth is really pretty intense, and I'm trying to work the edges and the tops of the weeds. The fish are in the green weeds right now. And as much as I, I'm not really a bobber guy, but, you know, it's getting to the point that the only way you can fish these weeds is to throw a bobber up on top and try to keep it suspended. Otherwise, you're hung up all the time. Um, a good example yesterday, I just actually sent you a picture of a nine-pound walleye from yesterday. You probably haven't seen it, but um, yesterday was very typical. I had three bites in three hours. And I ended up getting probably one of the biggest walleyes I've ever caught, one of the biggest smallmouth bass I've ever caught. But, again, it's all about trying to put that, you know, leech, especially a jig and a leech under a bobber, just above those weeds and let them come and find it. So it's, you know, it's a little boring sometimes, but, you know, when the weed growth gets like this, it's, uh, you don't have much of a choice unless you're a really good jig fisherman. Yeah, I, I did get the photo. How about that? Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's a beauty. And, you know, here, here's the thing, folks. Over the years, Steve just doesn't doesn't talk about big fish. He shows them and, and sends me the photos. So uh, I, I, I got proof. that, that That's a nice fish, Steve. You got to be happy. Thanks, man. You know, fishermen kind of, you know, tend to uh, spin these yarns, and you really got to have photo proof. I want to see that. You know, you tell me you did very well. Let me see the pictures. So it's kind of, uh, you know, you got to have a little bit of that to back yourself up. Well, that sturgeon story a week ago, that spooked me a little bit. Oh, I'm trying not to think about it anymore. It was just, <laughs> it just really, you know, freaked me out, and I'm still not over it. It's uh it's something you have to experience. I mean, they're so big, they're, they're just so large, you just can't believe there's an animal like that that's that big that can jump completely out of the water. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I'm still not over it. I'm still spooked. Yeah, that that is an amazing, an amazing story. Is, is that, that that's got to be top five all time. You've been out on the water for a long time. Yeah, I would say, you know, I've hooked them before, and they pulled my boat around and, you know, had their way with me a number of times, but I've never had one come, you know, four or five feet out of the water, you know, eye to eye. That was kind of a new thing, but hopefully that's a one-shot deal. I don't think I want to do that again. They're just, uh, they're so freaky looking, especially underneath. They've got that weird mouth, you know, uh, underneath with the teeth, and it's, um, yeah, it's 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 a bizarre-looking fish, but... You know, this fish was probably over 100 years old. You know, they're well-known for, you know, you know, living a long time. Yeah, amazing story. All right, Steve, uh, it's been a little slow, and I know uh, we're, we're going to get some more rain. It is going to get cool as well. I, I would assume it's going to take a couple of days for things to stabilize. You got it, Steve. You're exactly right. It's going to be a couple of days. Things will, you know, straighten out a little bit. And I see 70s, which I'm really happy about. Um, the water, you know, in the lakes right now is like bath water. It is so warm, and we haven't even got to July yet, so we need a cool down. I think that's going to help a lot. Uh, got a couple of groups coming in Monday, Tuesday, and then I'm going to play golf on Wednesday, if you can believe that. I need a break. I can. I, I, I got to play golf. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, hit them, hit them straight, and then uh, Steve will do it again in a week. All right, Steve. Take care, man.
All right, there he is, Steve Carney. And uh, by the way, we've talked about that weather south of the metro area, about those severe thunderstorm warnings. And once again, to give you a lay of the land, uh, the heaviest weather is between I-35 and the Minnesota River. So right now from, say, east to St. Peter over toward Faribault, in that area between 35 and the river, and they continue to track northeast. Uh, there is a severe thunderstorm warning now in effect until 445 for parts of Lesseur County. And it, it looks like this will skirt north of Faribault, head toward Northfield, uh, Lakeville, and uh, likely on this track, East Metro. Uh, but we'll continue to keep an eye on that as we move through the afternoon. But uh, once again, uh, storms expected to redevelop, and here we are south of the Twin Cities area. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we, we should also tell you there's some uh, severe weather in north, uh, northern Minnesota, uh, particularly uh, tornado warning for Monoman, Norman, and Becker County. A tornado has been observed by train spotters, and this is uh, way up in northwestern Minnesota. Once again, this is uh, Monoman, Norman, and Becker counties, and that tornado warning is now in effect until 445 this afternoon. And this was observed by train spotters, and as we look at the map and hone in on that, uh, these are in the areas east of the Red River in Minnesota between Fargo and Grand Forks to give you a lay of the land. So in Minnesota, east of the Red River between Fargo and Grand Forks, this is, say, between Detroit Lakes and Thief River Falls, and those are tornado warnings, and those were observed by train spotters. Uh, So if you're in that area, take cover. It is 415. We'll come back, and we'll get a hockey update. Yes, I know it's late June. Jess Myers will join us from the rink live. The NHL entry draft is coming up. Sure to be some Minnesotans selected on that big day. Well, we'll get Jess' thoughts on that here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. We have been talking about the weather and those storms that formed southeast of Mankato. We've had a number of severe thunderstorm warnings. One tornado warning. Uh, for a funnel cloud sighting. Here's the latest. Severe thunderstorm warning for northeastern Lesseur, southeastern Scott here in the metro area, northwestern Rice County. This is until 445. A few minutes ago at 404, a severe thunderstorm located over Montgomery or 15 miles northwest of Faribault, moving northeast at 30 miles an hour. 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts, quarter-size hail are possible with this storm. Uh, the storm moving through the New Prague and Lonsdale areas. Uh, this will impact Elko, New Market, Lakeville, and the Prior Lake areas uh, as the storm moves along over the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes or so. And uh, taking aim at the South Metro, we mentioned Prior Lake. Uh, th- this would include Lakeville, Apple Valley, uh, Burnsville, Bloomington, and uh, points east, uh, Egan, St. Paul, etc. So we'll continue to monitor that. Meteorologist Paul Douglas keeping an eye on things as well. And, of course, producer Josh Wheeler. Right now, let's bring in Jess Myers from the rink live. Jess, 
are, are you on a boat somewhere? Are you in town? Where, where are you on this Saturday? I, I am kind of in the uh, the southwest metro, so I'm going to ah. skies here. It's getting, getting a little dark. I, I'm, I'm going to yeah. have to be careful here in the next uh, little bit. But, man, do we need the rain. I'm looking at some brown grass, too. So you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, it, a lot of, lot of rain needed. Uh, we we didn't get any at all here in in northern Hennepin County. I'm keeping our fingers crossed. Now, we don't want the severe weather that sometimes goes with it. So uh, rain would certainly be welcome. It looks like it could be a rainy day tomorrow. Jess Myers joining from the rink live. Uh, the NHL entry draft coming up, that, that's always a big event uh, for a lot of Minnesota kids, Minnesota college players, et cetera. Uh, getting that call or potential call in the future to the National Hockey League. But, Jess, you, you did a piece about uh, a high school coaching change. We didn't talk about uh, last time you were on, Natalie Darwitz leaving you and going over to Hill Murray uh, to to take over leadership of that Hill Murray girls program, uh, w- yep. one of the more uh, awarded programs here in the Metro. But uh, – a boys program change or a girls program change in the West Metro has certainly raised some eyebrows, and you did a piece that's getting a lot of reaction. I, I first have to say a thank you to Larry Olam, and granted, I've known Larry since literally kindergarten. We we grew up in the same town. We were we were teammates. We were classmates in in various classes. So uh, it, it was a shocking bit of news in the middle of April when, after going twenty four four and four, winning the. Uh, winning their section, getting the state tournament, winning two games there, making it to the state championship game. They literally had the best year in Orono girls hockey history under Larry Olam, his first year as a head coach there. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, two months later or so, he's basically out of a job. He was uh, pushed to resign by a group of parents who didn't like his coaching style. I don't think they could have complained too much with the results. Again, you know, winning uh, 24 games out of, what is it, you know, I, I can't do math, but out of 32 games is just an exemplary record, and getting as far as they did, they lost to Warroad in the state championship game. The final was 3-1, to one. Um, so it was not like it was a blowout or anything like that. Uh, and yet, uh, Larry was good enough to share with me some of the emails he got over the course of the season from some parents, just some of them with some let's say, polite questions about his style. And some of them, Steve, were downright nasty, uh, you know, just uh, just questioning his knowledge of hockey, you know, his way of coaching, his way of interacting with the girls. And I will say uh, in my thanking Larry for opening up to me and letting me tell this story, the one thing he asked is, is that I kind of protect the players and not make it about the girls on his team. He loved interacting with the girls. He loved practices. He loved being on the bus uh, with them. He loved their time on the bench, but, you know, indicative of maybe a bigger problem in, in sports in general, um, uh, he, he drew some criticism, and, and some of it I don't think very warranted from, from some people. Yeah, and this, this, this has been going on in sports for a long time. You, you've, you've been around sports a long time, covering sports. I've been around sports a long time, covering sports uh, here in South Dakota, back here in Minnesota, and this, this is a familiar refrain. Well done on the story, but uh, a lot of the reaction to this story at the Rink Live and online on Twitter in particular says, yeah, um, the, this sort of stuff sadly goes on in all four corners of the state. It's just not a Metro thing. 
I, I, I think of Mike Randolph and what happened up at the Louvre East once upon a time. I mean, it, it this is, uh, must have been going on for ages. One of the more interesting reactions I got to this story, Steve, was from uh, Justin Kloos' father. Justin played for the Gophers maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. He said Don Lucia had a rule, and I confirmed this with Don. His rule was over the course of your kid's career as a Minnesota Gopher, you'd get one call to the coach's office to talk about hockey, and that's the call where I remind you, don't ever call here again. It was, <laughs> it was very simple. Like, the coaches are going to coach. Your job is to sit in the stands and, and you know, cheer and, and be supportive and all that. And if you have questions about uh, the coaching style, about your kids' playing time, stuff like that, we'd be happy to find you a different school to play for. Yeah, and, you know, Jess, I, I interact with, with hockey coaches and basketball coaches and lacrosse coaches and football, you name the sport, volleyball, wh- whatever, in the course of my coverage duties. Uh, and in the summer I'll run into coaches, whether it's Legion Ball or amateur, different story there. But my, my, my point being is is that this is all too familiar, and sometimes I, I ask the men and women that are, are maybe under duress from certain parents, why do you do it? Why do you put up with it? I have said to friends of mine who coach high school hockey, including Larry Olam, uh, for what it pays and what it yeah. entails, I don't know that that's a great job when you think about it. I mean, you know, obviously we've had some amazing success stories over the years. I think of a guy like Bill Lechner at Hill Murray, who is, uh, you know, not only a great guy, but a great coach and has the track record to back it up. Uh, you know, you go way back to the, the Willard Eichelers of the world. Or, oh, sure. or guys like my friend, my friend uh, Izzy Marvin up in Warroad, who, you know, led his team to another state championship last year. And even they tell me, you know, you, you hear it from the parents. You hear questions about style. You hear questions about, you know, why did you put a certain person on this line? And to me, it's just bewildering to, to think that uh, your run-of-the-mill parent thinks, I can do it better, I know better. Yeah, and I, I think it goes beyond that, beyond coaching, into officiating in all sports as well. Um, it, it has become in certain situations. And it's not all parents. It, it's not all spectators. But, but there are certainly uh, a few bad eggs, and it makes it difficult for coaches, and it makes it difficult uh, for game officials as well. And this is just another example. And once again, well done on the story. I encourage people to check it out at the rink live. It's certainly generating a lot of buzz and rightfully so. I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and, you know, again, I, I need to say a big thank you to Larry Olam for being willing to share his story and share some of the kind of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I, I in fairness, I reached out to the, the parents who had been very critical of him. Uh, via email, I gave an opportunity, uh, multiple opportunities to, to comment for the story and say, hey, tell me your side of it. What did you see this past season that you weren't satisfied with? What were the issues? Um, I was frankly disappointed, but maybe not surprised that they, uh, they didn't respond and didn't, uh, you know, mm. uh, turn down that offer to talk about it. And, you know, and I've heard from some people that the parents who are most involved in this are now kind of trying to distance themselves. And it's like, hey, you got what you wanted. Um, I mentioned this in the story. One really disappointing thing for the, for the girls is that I, I think this coaching change essentially cost Orono a chance to play on Hockey Day Minnesota. The schedule for that was announced yesterday up in Warroad. Um, originally, Orono was going to be a part of it. They were going to play Warroad in kind of a, a rematch of the state championship game. That's not going to happen now. Lakeville North is going up there. Lakeville North is a great program, and, and kudos to those girls. And, 
and it's going to be a fantastic event up there. You know, you, you hope the weather's not 50 below because we certainly have seen that at that time of year. But the famous World Rozo game, uh, the boys game, is going to happen. You're going to have a, a college game between Concordia's men and St. Olaf. It, it just sounds like they're, they're putting together a fantastic event. So there was some fun hockey news over the weekend as well, Steve. Yeah, no doubt uh, about that. One other thing I want to bring up, NHL entry draft. And typically there are a number of Minnesotans with their names called on, on in that uh, big annual event. And you know, the big name that everybody's going to be watching on Wednesday when that first round of the draft rolls around, Oliver Moore, he's a kid out of Moore, Moundsview. He played uh, youth hockey in the, in the Moundsview Irondale system, and then he was playing at Totino Grace. Went out to Michigan and played for USA Hockey the last two years. I sat down with him doing an hour-and-a-half workout uh, a couple days ago up in the north suburbs, just at kind of a nondescript office park that had a gym inside it. You talk about a physical specimen. He's been talked about going anywhere from the top 20 to even like the top five in the draft, and he's going to be a gopher next year. A lot of people very excited about him uh, and his prospects a fantastic skater, a kid that doesn't really come from a, a big hockey family and not from, you know, an area that's won a lot of hockey championships recently, but exciting time for him. The weird thing for me, Steve, in talking to him is, you know, coach uh, teams are calling him, teams are interviewing him. He went to a combine. Imagine being that age and knowing I'm probably going to make a fair amount of money someday playing hockey, but I have no idea where it's going to be. Somebody else is going to tell me you're going to live in Buffalo or you're going to live in Vancouver or you're going to live in Winnipeg, and you can't control that. That, to me, has got to be an interesting time for a kid. Yeah, for, for sure. Exciting times. Jess, always good to visit with you. Enjoy the summer. Hopefully we can do it again soon. The rain just hit, Steve, so it's, uh, it's coming down out here in the southwest part of the city. All right, the rain has arrived. Jess Myers joins us from the rink live on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And when we come back in a moment, we'll have the very latest on those warnings. But first, a severe thunderstorm warning in effect. Northeastern Lesseur, southeastern Scott here in the metro area, and northwestern Rice just on the edge of the metro area. Uh, South Metro until 445, large hail, a wind gust to 60 miles an hour. And uh, once again, those those storms south of the metro area uh, continue to develop and in some cases intensify as they move to the northeast. We'll have much more in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWC. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. ECO. 
Twins, Tigers from Detroit coming up. Lineup card at 5.30. Chris Atterbury, Corey Provost, Dan Gladden with all the play-by-play from Comerica Park uh, coming up on the radio just after 6. Pablo Lopez scheduled to pitch tonight for the Minnesota Twins, who are now in an upswing, a game over 500. And <laughs> Dan Hayes joins from the Athletic on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And Dan, what a roller coaster ride for this club over the last two weeks, man! Yeah, to go from the uh, lowest of lows this last week, um, you know, it, it was really ugly on Monday, Tuesday. You know, that ten to four loss, um, just a a train wreck at that point. And then you turn it around and win three in a row, and suddenly you're back above 500. I mean, look, this is what a 500 club does. They go back and forth, and the Twins are trying to prove that they're not that. Um, they have to be far more consistent to, to do that, though. I mean, the run differential says they should be a team that's about seven or eight games above 500, and right now, you know, we're sitting here, they're game over, and, and they've had lots of good signs this year, and they've had some equally disturbing ones, and um, this week has been a microcosm of that for sure. The, the struggles of Max Kepler and Byron Buxton have, have certainly stood out, but Byron Buxton had a, a monster game, just two moonshot home runs at Target Field to close out the homestand, and Max Kepler has caught fire because there, there, there are a lot of fans wondering why Max Kepler is still on the club. Yeah, and, and I think both of them were probably um, a little slow to come back from their, their injuries, and, and you know, there's a there's a good case to be made for having both of them go on rehab assignments and get some of those ugly at-bats out of the way because I think Byron Buxton went 0 for 15 before he drew a walk, and then the next day, you know, maybe uh, I, the next day is when he took off on, on Tuesday. Max Kepler, three homers in his last four games, but, you know, he had some ugly at-bats himself when he came back, and I think both guys were having a tough time seeing the ball. Um, they I asked Rocco, and, and he said today he thinks they would do it the same. Byron Buxton has sort of this history of going on a minor league rehab assignment and, and getting hurt. He, had, he fouled a pitch off his foot in 2018, broke his toe. He got hit by a pitch um, on one of his trips. He basically said, hey, I don't want to do a rehab assignment. And I think they were willing to acquiesce because they, they said that he put in a lot of work in the cage, but still it's different seeing major league pitching. Guys throw 99 to 100. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here they are. Both of them have started to see pitches again and take off and, and do some things. I mean, Kepler, that's two home runs off a left-handed pitcher this week, and he singled also last night off a left-handed pitcher. So those are really good signs. And, and they were happy about where he was earlier in the season. Then he got hurt, um, and he clearly hasn't been himself at times. He has not been as good of a defender. He's made some mistakes on balls that normally he was making plays great plays on at home and hasn't quite been that guy. So yeah, it certainly has been frustrating on both their ends. And then you see how good things can go when they get going and how much the team depends on it. Dan Hayes joining from the Athletic on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Twins and Tigers, game two of the three-game set at Comerica. Uh, coming up back to Byron Buxton. Uh, a lot of eyebrows were raised. He can bat, he can run the bases, but he can't play the outfield. Help us understand why he can swing the bat, 
and very effectively, like I say, almost a thousand feet of home runs in the games on Thursday at Target Field, uh, and can run the bases pretty effectively, but can play the outfield. I, I don't think his body's just ready to absorb right. the wear and the wear and tear of going back and forth. I mean, we're talking about nine innings worth of outs, and people want to say, "Oh, it's uh, it's just standing around," but the center fielder is dialed in on every play, moving with every pitch and getting jumps, yeah. that kind of thing. There's so much to it, and there's the portion. Like, it's funny. We talked about the other day when they surrendered the DH. Like, man, the, he really must be in a spot where they won't try him because they surrendered the DH late in that game. I can't remember if it was the Tigers, but uh, they, were, they could have used him in center field for the ninth inning, and they opted to go without the DH, put the pitcher in the lineup, and it was – it's very apparent. They, they just don't want to take the risk right now with him because they want him in the lineup. And I think they think that, like, Bracco's been as honest as he can about it and said, look, if there was a way to get him out there, we would be doing it. And it's just clear that that's not the case. You have to wonder what that means for the long term. Is this something that's going to be how it is for the rest of his career? Or is this something that they expect when he goes the off season and strengthens it this off season? his knee is good? Uh, it, Look, it, there's, there's a, there are questions to be asked, but I, I believe them when they say, and, you know, Byron would be out there in a second. He wants to play center field if he can, but yeah. at the same time, I think he just knows his value to the team by being in the lineup every day. Because even when he's not hitting, just him standing in there is an imposing guy for pitchers to look at. You know, they, they have to fear the fact that he's in the lineup and the things he can do uh, when he's right hitting-wise. So, it is, it is definitely a very, um, I don't know, it, it, it's a, tough to describe this situation because it's frustrating, and yet at the same time, you know that uh, the right intentions are there on the, the team's part because they know what kind of value he brings when he is in the field and he is right. I mean, we're talking about an elite defensive center fielder when he's out there, and if you can throw that into the what he can do with the plate, you know, last year 28 home runs and – this year's 13 so far. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you're talking about a dynamic player when he's all around. And, and if they could get that, I think they would. Yeah, huge, huge key for this club. Big key this year, and, and the reason they are a game over 500 in general, if you had to point to one thing, had to be the, the starting pitching and the consistency of the starting pitching. And then how about Joe Ryan on Thursday? That, that was magical. Yeah, that was electric on Joe Ryan, um, you know, and, and just seeing him get to finish the game, it's been so long. It had been since June seventh, 2018, that a twin starting pitcher had gone the entire way. Um, the situation was right. They were up six runs. Yoan Duran wasn't available that day. You know, I think they saw that he was their best option, and he sure looked really good in those eighth and ninth innings. He was probably getting right to the end there. I think um, that might have been his last batter if he didn't get through. Um, but he, he was great, and their starting pitching has been so consistent all the way. Kenta Maeda came back, and he was a little rusty last night. Um, he's going to have to be better with his command going forward. You know, he won't be facing another AAA team like he did last night with the Tigers um, in the next start when he faces Atlanta on Wednesday. But if he can get his command back, you know, the, the swing and miss was there last night. His pitches had the crispness to them. He just needs to iron out some details. And uh, But, you know, for his first start in two months since he went through the right tricep soreness, 
he looks pretty good, and, and the Twins were happy with it. Yeah, and uh, now uh, Pablo Lopez takes the mound tonight. He he's been consistent this year, but but not spectacular. But he he's certainly been a part of it. And they need a good start from him tonight to to keep the train rolling and extend this ro- this winning streak. Because as you alluded to on the homestand, dropping the three or four to the Tigers was was a borderline disaster and really could have sent that homestand into a tailspin. They end up salvaging the five and five. But to get a good start out of Lopez tonight's a big deal. It is. You, you want them to roll off, you know, five in a row. They've won three in a row. That's a great spot. And I know there's a lot of talk about winning series, but you got to make up some ground on, on some of the bad play that you've had. Um, so Lopez carrying them forward tonight and then them closing out a sweep tomorrow would be ideal because there's a rough road ahead. You know, after this, they go to Atlanta for three days and then they go to Baltimore for a couple of days. So that is not an easy road trip. This is the bread and butter part of it they need to really kind of or this is the meat and potatoes part of it i guess you should say this is is where you get your wins your easy wins um and pablo lopez has been up and down all year i think that he's been really good at times he was outstanding in april his stuff is very good he just seems to run into one inning that undoes him or you know sometimes it's that first inning um he just needs to look for that consistency and one thing that's been giving him trouble a lot this year is the eight and nine hitters in lineups, I think, you know, nearly 40% of his walks have been issued to the eight and nine hitters. And the problem there is when you're setting up the top of the lineup after you've kind of battled through a batter or plate appearance, and um, that's something that needs to be cleaned up. But I think overall, you know, they're happy with what they've gotten from him. They would be much happier if it was a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, he's given them a lot of innings, a lot of strikeouts, and that's that's been a big key for them this year is just how much their starting pitching is pitched deep into games and been able to keep their bullpen from kind of being overexposed. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to bring up, and I heard it on the telecast last night, was the Tigers have been playing at Comerica for almost a quarter century already. That That's mind-boggling. And it looks like a new park with the uh, new yeah. dimensions they add in because that Max Kepler home run last night was a double in the past and instead of the twins being up three nothing there it's probably men on second and third and, and uh you know for the the next guy up and so i i think that was a nice little bunch of additions you can see the yellow line that it's not drastic but it's a few feet and it's going to make a difference and i think when it's a team like the tigers supposed to play here 81 games a year um that that's to their benefit because you just you don't want your hitters feeling defeated at home because the dimensions mess with them. And I think that making it a little bit more hitter-friendly is the pitchers probably didn't like it. The Tigers pitchers probably didn't <laughs> like it. But you know what? The hitters got to do a lot of the work, too. And and it's still a very pitcher-friendly park as it is. So I think uh, it was much needed after – it's crazy you said that uh, – uh, was it 1999 that it came into the league? Um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, they broke ground in 97. It officially opened in 2000, but still, yeah. that that's insane to me that, <laughs> that yeah. Tiger Stadium's been gone that long. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's flux. a great venue, too, especially when fans are filling it up. So it's a, it's a good place to watch a game. All right, Dan, good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. All right, hey, thanks for having me on, Steve.
All right, there he is, Dan Hayes, the Athletic, covers the Twins. Joining on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, Twins and Tigers on the way. We'll have a sneak peek at the lineup card. Uh, Major League Baseball in London, Cards, Cubs in London, yes, for a regular season game. We'll check the PGA Tour scoreboard and then turn it over to Chris Hatterberry in the lineup card at 530. We'll have a weather update here momentarily. News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Twins. Tigers on the radio. Chris Sadaberry getting the lineup card ready to go at 5.30 first pitch. About 6.15 from Comerica. Pablo Lopez on the mound. Hard to believe almost 25 years of Comerica Park. But, uh, you know, Target Field, what? You know, well over a decade of of Target Field time. Absolutely flies. Let's get you up to date on the weather. We've had some thunderstorms south of the metro making their way to the northeast. Uh, There is a little bit of good news. We don't have any warnings on the board right now. It looks as though that uh, the warnings have been allowed to expire, but there still are showers and thunderstorms in the south metro, and they continue to develop the heaviest activity uh, between Mankato and and that area north of Faribault up toward Lakeville. But uh, there are no warnings on the board right now, and those continue to track to the northeast. So be aware of that. At some point, uh, the, the Twin Cities metro area will be impacted by some of these showers and thunderstorms. But at the moment, we have no warnings on the board. Now, here's what we've got coming up following the news and weather at 5 o'clock. We'll recap the Twins' win over the Tigers on Friday night. Ken Tamayeda returned. Max Kepler had a big night. Twins get the win their third straight. They try to go for four in a row tonight. We'll have a sneak peek at the lineup card. We'll check the Major League scoreboard as well uh, between uh, the news and 5.30 today when Chris Satterbury takes over on the lineup card. PGA Tour Travelers Championship. Keegan Bradley is 64 today at minus 21. Ches Revy is 63 is at minus 20. Patrick Cantley shot a 61. He's at minus 16. Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott, Denny McCarthy at 15 under par. Fowler shot a 60 today. Scotty Scheffler in the mix. He shot a 62 today. So low scores in Cromwell, Connecticut at the Travelers Championship. Once again, the news and weather at 5. We'll count you down to the Twins here on CCO. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.